1: Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, stocks are soaring, but there is another bull run that no one is talking about that could be the best trade for the rest of the year. A top technician breaks down the stealth breakout, plus... From a breakout to a breakdown, more bad news for Facebook. And the stock is now down 9% in just the past month. And something happened today that could spell even more pain. We'll tell you what that is. But first, we start off with the market rally. The Dow surging to an all-time high. It's now up 8% this year. Intel and Caterpillar leading the blue chips higher. But while the market surges, the phantom of inflation is creeping in.
0: Oh, that's scary, of now. inflation,
1: <laughs> oh. Amazon hiking wages, Pepsi raising prices, and this as companies are already dealing with higher input costs and bearing the brunt of all this, retail and restaurant stocks which got nailed today. Check out some of these moves. Macy's, Nike, Best Buy, Darden, all down today. So, two-part question here. Follow along, people. Two-part question. Is it just a yep, retail problem or is it a warning sign for the barter markets? Guy.
2: I, what was the first part of the question? Is it just a retail <laughs> problem or is it a broader warning sign for the, for the Very market? Very good. See, I, pay saw. Nice I, lo- I saw Phantom of the Opera when it first came out. With the I'm sure
1: you did. <laughs> part one.
2: I can break in a song. Is it just a retail problem? Retailers have all had a huge run. You look at Macy's, look at Nordstrom's. I mean, Nordstrom's went from 50 to 63 or so, given some of it back. So I think in retail, at least, uh, it's just a sort of a back and fill off an overextended move to the upside. I do think, though, think about this. If the consumer is 73% of our economy and if the consumer starts to feel strapped in the form of higher prices, that could potentially derail the market. But I'll say this. I thought we wanted higher inflation. I thought that's what the Fed's been asking for for the last six or seven years. So instead of saying it was a derail the market, we should be saying this is a sign of a great economy, the market goes higher in the back But if you
1: extrapolate those signs of inflation, that gives the Fed more uh, to go. More That's exactly. More and, and if that you is mean. our fear in the market as an investor, then you got it. Well,
3: you have Fed funds at 2 percent. You have inflation at 2 percent. Uh-huh. So where are real interest rates? Still at zero, okay? I mean, that's really the issue, right? So if the Fed really gets on their horse, they're going to raise in December, and then they kind of affirm the fact that they're going to raise three times in December, that's the question. How does the market deal with that? So as far as the wage inflation is concerned, we also know that real wages adjusted for inflation aren't really rising right. So if you take it all back around and say if there's not more money that the consumer has to spend at retailers, but retailers' expenses are going up in the form of higher wages, then you get into a margin situation, which is tough for the retailer.
1: Higher wages and also the impact of tariffs. I mean, if they have to pay higher prices because of tariffs, right, they will either pass that cost on to the consumer or Or they they will eat that cost. Same thing with wages. They'll pass that on or they will eat that cost. Uh Two things to contend with.
4: So I think though what we're seeing, higher wages, right? Okay, so... That's putting pressure on retailers who have labor as one of their line items in their income statement. But we haven't seen them yet see whether they have any pricing power. That hasn't started yet, particularly in restaurants. They've been hesitant to raise prices. But I think we're going to start seeing that. And I think that obviously adds to an inflationary sort of spiral upward. I'm not so afraid of a general trajectory of inflation upward. I'm, you know, it's the frog in the boiling water kind of thing. I'm not so afraid of the Fed continuing to raise if they raise next time, and then they talk about three raises, I'm not so afraid of that. As long as the frog so the is frog in the water, the water right. as it is
1: boiling, as opposed to tossing the frog in once the water has boiled. Exactly. It's two different scenarios. Yes. Oh, see. Animal lovers, please don't email <laughs> us. We understand this is just a it's metaphor. If I was like,
5: I start the show with that metaphor. I would not have known how to play the game either. I don't <laughs> know about the frog and the water. Um, but what I do know is that you know Europe printed 4.2 on CPI. They have inflation around the world, and we're probably getting in here. The one thing about these trade tariffs, folks, is you have haven't seen one iota of trade tariff in anything you buy yet, okay? And it's all, you know, you, you think about it, you think about it, why is the market not responding? Because the market has not seen any data. So um, why is the XRT down almost 7.5% in the last 28 sessions or so? It's not just because we woke up and said, Uh, that there's going to be inflation. I also just think that this is rotation. It's the start of a new quarter. Um, These things had run, run, run. You've seen this whole thing, momentum versus value. You've seen, you know, whether people that are coming on our show or whether you're reading strategist reports, this is part of where people are going right now. So to say that the market is down and that XRT and restaurants are in trouble, um, suddenly, I'm not so sure.
1: Okay. At the same time, I mean, Is this the reason to rotate out of consumer discretionary, out of retail, because of the whiffs of inflation that we are getting? To Tim's point, we haven't really seen the impact of the tariffs on anything that we buy yet. But it is coming, and we might in fact have tariffs on every single item that we bring in from China. So at that point, does that make, not not only is retail an outperforming sector compared to broader markets, but is this another reason to sell?
2: I think so. In terms of retailers, yes. I mean, if you look... Retailers overlap... For example, I mentioned Nordstrom's. I'll mention it again. You've had basically... Upper left to the lower right. The stock has been going down over the last five or six years. However, within that time frame, you've seen moves to the upside of significant proportion. And I think that's what we saw over the last couple of weeks or so. Now it's starting to give it back. I think they will continue to give these these moves to the upside back until we get back into the earnings releases in three or so weeks. So I do think, yes, you sell the retailers well, here. let
4: just push back. So we have this wage increase now. Aren't these, the people who receive the wage increases, aren't they shoppers? Aren't they now, don't they now have more disposable income to spend? So to me, I think we could be looking at a very strong holiday season. Going, you know, so for the next three months, I think we could see very strong consumer discretionary spin. Yeah, but isn't
3: that what we're talking about is that you're going to see some slight wage inflation, but we're also seeing inflation. We're seeing the effect of tariffs. So they're going to counter each other out. And when you think about consumer confidence, it just printed at an 18-year high, right? That's kind of a backward-looking thing. When you look under the hood, you're seeing that large... We were talking about this last week. Well, it's coincident. You're, yeah, if, but you're, and, and you're seeing quickly. large purchases being pushed out. We're seeing a housing market that's p- specifically challenged. We're seeing the auto market that is just it looks like in shambles. When you look at those two groups of stocks, you say to yourself, my goodness, they're both at 50%. 52-week lows, look at the underperformance in the bank stocks. They're supposed to get this growth in a rip-roaring economy from all this lending. But if housing and autos are, are, are constrained right now, where are they going to get and, it?
1: And part of that is higher interest rates causing the consumer to pay more in interest. And so you have a consumer whose wages are increasing, that may offset the way, the the higher prices at the store, but does that also does that also offset the higher interest payments on their mortgages, I think on it, their credit cards, on their auto loans, on their student loans, et cetera.
5: I think that's mm-hmm. as big of an issue as it's higher rates. Uh, I think the variable loans right out there for people that took 7-1 arms or have auto loans who have credit cards that still, you know, not everybody's, you know, rotating credit cards and playing that game. I mean, a lot of people are feeling this. Um, again, look at airlines too. I mean, are, are airlines selling off because of oil prices? <laughs> um, and and uh, is it another feed through? I, I, I just think that, yes, we have inflation. Um, and but, you know, these forces didn't just pop up yesterday. I think we've been talking about them for a long time. And I think the labor costs are very significant. And that's the most important thing that the Fed's gonna look at. I think what we've seen in the last two days is, is some extreme rotation. And that is something that actually, I agree with Karen. I think the fourth quarter, this consumer is gonna be alive and well in this holiday season on difficult comps, but it's not, they're not falling off the map.
1: So what do we wanna be in? I mean, if, 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 you're, Energy. if you're concerned about retail, Want
5: I want to be, to be in energy? energy. And again, I, I think it's a function of these companies have been much more um, efficient on their capital allocation. They're being run for equity shareholders. I like the integrated here. They're very cheap on a price to cash flow. It's
3: funny. You know, we talk about consumer discretionary. You look at the XLY. That's the, the ETF that tracks it. You know, Amazon's 24% of that ETF, and it's up 65% on the year. and It's got a trillion-dollar market cap. So when we look at the XLY, I don't think we're seeing the sort of outperformance that you think when you X out Amazon. And that is not a good sign for the rest of the retail. And I would just say I would look at more more staples uh, and I would call that media. I would look at like the AT&T and I would look at Disney, which looks like it's going to about to break out to new highs. And AT&T has been a huge laggard to
2: Verizon. And I think as people get
3: more clarity about the integration of Time Warner, I think they're going to like that story.
2: I, I think healthcare care is, is, will continue to be uh, a sector that outperforms and continues to catch up to the broader market. And I'll say this real quick. You know, Don't underestimate the U.S. consumers want to spend. The U.S. consumers, as long as they feel good about things, and to me feeling good about things as the stock market goes up every day, people feel richer whether they are or not doesn't matter. They will spend money. But consumer debt to GDP now is north of 50%, so the consumer might be in great shape in terms of mentally, but the balance sheets don't suggest that they're in good shape as much as they would like to think they are.
4: So when I try to think about where do you want to be, where what kind of asset allocation do you want to have in a rising rate environment? So real estate doesn't tend to do well. The market, if we really see it, won't do well. I mean, to me, something like Sotheby's, um, ticker bid, art is an interesting place to allocate resources in in an inflationary environment Mm -hmm. for the upper end.
1: What do we see today then in terms of the the rise in utilities and staples, the things that have the dividend yields that shouldn't theoretically do well in a
0: rising? You seek the key.
5: Environment. Well, I, I think I, I, I think people are still le- looking for yield proxy plays, I, but I, I was also just going to bring up. I mean, how about the move in gold? It's like gold woke up out of a slumber in the last couple of days. And that to me is remarkable because gold has had so many opportunities to pick their spots on all the is other that confirmation
1: reasons. that inflation is here.
5: Yeah, I, I like I'm not going to say any couple day move on gold means anything because I think gold is not followed through on those moves. But this is very interesting All
1: right, coming up. Microsoft unveiling three new Surface devices moments ago. We've got the first look and all the details right after this. Plus, it's a bull market no one is talking about. If you're lagging the market, it could be your best chance to catch up. We'll tell you what it is and why one technician is so excited. Stocks are surging. Jobs are plentiful. The trade war appears to be fading. So why are U.S. auto stocks hitting 52-week lows today? We got the answer and the other group of stocks that could soon follow suit. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on Microsoft unveiling three new devices. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco with the details. Hi, Josh.
6: Melissa, Satya Nadella doubling down here on high-end hardware, including a new product category – premium headphones called Surface Headphones for $349, available later this year, which the company says offers rich audio, hands-free calling, and noise cancellation with Cortana built in. What's interesting here is how Microsoft is positioning this product, another way the company is saying to read emails and kick off conference calls, so kind of emphasizing that this is a product meant for the home and the office. Microsoft also unveiling today a number of new Surface devices. Remember, In its most recent quarter, a company told us that Surface revenue jumped 25% to $1.2 billion. Now we have Surface Pro 6, that's going to start at $899, where Microsoft is competing there with Apple's iPad Pro and detachables from HP and Dell. There's also Surface Laptop 2 starting at $999 and Surface Studio 2 starting at $3,499. Tech analyst Patrick Moorhead says this isn't just about selling hardware, though. It's also about the company highlighting its software and services from Windows 10, the next version of which was announced today, to Office 365. In fact, a new service Microsoft just introduced points to that strategy. It's called Surface All Access, the option of paying monthly for the Surface product of your choice, starting at $24.99 per month, complete with Office 365 subscription. For much more on all this news, be sure to check out John Fords Big interview tomorrow with Microsoft's Youssef Muddy that's gonna be on Squawk on the street. Melissa, back to you.
1: All right Josh, thanks. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. I will go to Dan, who coined a MAGA recently.
6: Yeah, Microsoft. Is X well Microsoft.
1: Amazon for Microsoft, by the way, yeah. in Mega.
3: Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the thing, you know, and I think Moorhead had a great point uh, on that last segment. You know, what they're really trying to do with the hardware is create an ecosystem like Apple's it was able to do. But when you think about 1.1 billion in sales, which also includes gaming in that last quarter, that was a total of 30 billion dollars in sales. 110 billion on the last year it's a rounding error it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense for us to spend a lot I mean I love Lipton's reporting I think it's important they're trying to capture a little bit of what Apple's able to do with maybe five billion dollars a quarter in iPad sales you know I mean
2: it just doesn't seem that relevant though the knock on Microsoft has been incorrectly has been valuation trades I think close to 24 times next year's numbers but then you look at their margins I mean their margins are hanging in there they're actually getting better 34% operating margins last quarter there's a 34.5. She was looking for 32.9. So, as long as margins continue to improve, I don't think you really look at valuation. I think the stock continues to go higher. I'm with Dan on his the MAGA thing. You
5: should get hats made. Ma-
1: <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> what would be a good right. color for that? <laughs>
5: So, right, obviously. Yeah, I, and, you know. Anyway, but it's it's amazing that Dan can utter those initials. I, I would just say that you know, in terms of the Azure business is growing seventy one percent, no sign of deceleration. Big Office continues to grow. The gaming side of this is what's extraordinary. This is a ten billion dollar gaming company. Uh, the cops are tough. The valuation is is not easy here. Um, I don't see a major fall off. But again, if, if you see tech start to take a bath, why wouldn't people be taking profits in an expensive stock?
4: You know, what the thing is, it's interesting that the, the, pro, the product, the Surface, I don't know if you've ever used a Surface. Yeah. They're really good, but it almost doesn't matter. I mean, like to Dan's point, it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't matter how great it is. I mean, the Zune was probably great, too. Going a way what? back,
3: the Zune. Yeah, but think about it, it this I, way. It so Josh I, just said huh. that in the last quarter that the Surface revenue grew 25% year over year. Right. And it's a billion dollars. Think yeah. about how fast it would have to grow, you know, what I mean, to actually yeah. make any sort of impact.
1: Right, as a percentage of its own revenue. Yeah, they should not be
3: in the hardware business other than gaming.
1: All right. For more on the new products, Microsoft just announced what it means for the stock. You can head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
7: It's been a tough month and year for Facebook investors. And something happened today that could lead to even more pain. We will explain. Plus, it is the bull market no one is talking about. But it could be your best trade heading
0: into the fourth quarter. We'll tell you what it is every day.
7: Customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor Yahoo Finance.com. The number one financial destination Yahoo That's Yahoo Finance.com. When fast money returns.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. While investors have been cashing in on new highs here in the U.S., there's been another major bull market run that you might have missed. Bob Pisani is at the NYSE to break it all down for us.
8: Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. Good to see you. You know, Japan's blue chip Nikkei 225 stock average soared to its highest level in almost 27 years. Good heavens. What's going on here? Well, look, first and most importantly, the domestic economy in Japan is showing more signs of life, and that's translating into higher corporate profits. That's the number one story here. Now, you can see that in the performance of consumer names, domestic names like Takara Holdings. They own beverages and food and printing and medical supplies. It's up 55% in a month, a month. Family Mart, Japan's second largest convenience store franchise, that's after 7-Eleven, they're up 24% in the last month. Soy sauce giant, Kikkoman. everybody knows them, they're up 19% in a month. Now, then there's the exporters. You have a stronger U.S. economy and you have a weaker currency. So the yen is near its lowest level against the dollar in almost a year. That makes exports more profitable. So, look, conglomerates like Mitsubishi's up 13 percent in a month. Sony even up 8 percent. Even the beaten up auto stocks, terrible year for them. Honda, Toyota, they've come off of their lows in the last month. Also remember that as part of its stimulus program, the Bank of Japan has been buying Japanese stocks through ETFs. So the state itself has been a regular buyer of stocks for a while now. Now, still, I I encourage you, don't get too excited about this. The Nikkei is still only up 6% this year. It's notably underperforming the S&P. It's up about 9%. And while all this sounds wonderful to say, oh, it's a 27-year high in the Nikkei, The Nikkei hit its all-time high in 1989. It is still 40% below that historic high. Talk about a lost three decades. Japan has still not recovered from the stock and real estate bubble that burst in 1990. The big issue is this, will the average Japanese household, which has bought bonds but not much stock in the last 30 years, will that average household finally sit up, take notice of these new highs, and really get a rally going, maybe back to those 1989 highs. That's what I can't answer, though. Back to you, Melissa.
1: All right, Bob, thanks. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Tim, is there a fundamental story behind this recent pickup?
5: There definitely is. First of all, earnings revisions continue to get better. It, it trades probably 20% cheap to Europe, which trades 20% cheap to the S&P. So valuation-wise, if you're looking at the big markets and the underperformance, even though, right, 6% relative to the S&P makes a lot of sense. Also, just the whole approach to capital allocation and what they're doing in terms of paying out higher dividends and giving that back to investors, you have to watch the yen, though, because if the yen starts to appreciate, I think... I think you're going to see a lot of pressure in Japan. But right now, the end has been slowly weakening against the dollar.
2: Again, but it's central banks overstepping their bounds. I mean, but should the Bank of Japan be buying securities? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, when Everybody it, else is. Yeah, but when does it stop, though, I guess is the question. And how does it end well? Yields I are mean, backing
5: up in Japan. I mean, that, that if anything, might be – see, it's kind of the good news and the bad news, right? Because Japan wants to see a little bit of inflation. That's what Abiy's trying to do with throwing everything in the kitchen sink. And yields have started to move. But you're
4: right. So then why right. buy shares if yields are starting to move? Isn't that just sort of fuel in the fire? wouldn't you buy more
5: stocks if you think bonds are starting to back up? If you're the if you're if you're the government, if I'm the government, right? What's my question? Sorry.
4: Well, if you're looking to if you're looking to stoke the flames, right? At some point, you want to pull back. You're saying not yet.
5: Yeah, I I think the I think they want to see a lot more inflation than what they have right now. But I I do think that. Uh, the move in Japanese yields, JGB yields, is also something people should be watching. It's a big part of the global dynamic.
3: Tim seems a little defensive here. I mean, are you I'm short? always defensive. short defense. the DK? I mean, by the way, it takes one to know one. Yeah, I mean,
5: well, I, I I mean, are you
1: long, Japan, in any way? Um, Soft. I have so so a couple defensive. Japanese banks, yeah. and I
5: own some exporters that have a lot of exposure to Japan. You're the puppet. What? <laughs> What are you What's going on here? Yeah, it's like a big side conversation. Sure. I'm, I'm just sitting here right. minding my own, own share
1: it with the rest of the world here. But anyway, um, yeah. we're going to move on. For more on Japan's Amazing Run, let's go off the charts with Chris Verone <laughs> of Strategus Research Partners to break it all down. Chris, what are you looking at?
9: Hey, Melissa, how are you? Uh, yeah, we agree. I think this is the strongest bull market out there that's not being talked about. We brought along a couple charts. Here's Nikkei uh, over the last couple years. Let's remember. Japan's basically been consolidating for much of the year, getting up through twenty-four thousand recently. Really important breakout, and we put it in context of the last couple of years. We had this great little uptrend, and then internally, every time we get an expansion in new highs, the rally continues. We had about forty percent of the Nikkei make a three-month high uh, this week. That is a bullish internal signal. But let's put it in context of the longer-term picture here. This is Japan. Over the last 30-plus years, as we know, peaked in 1989 at 39,000, bottomed in 2009 at 7,000, and we have this massive 20-year base. Every rally the last 30 years failed at lower highs, except these last two. We now have higher highs. This is a major change of trend. And then I think importantly, when we consider Japan versus rest of the world, this is Nikkei versus rest of world ex-US, making multi-year relative price highs. So you're getting paid in absolute terms, and you're getting paid in relative terms. How does this rank relative to some other markets here? Well, as we mentioned, we have S&P up here 9% year-to-date, but Japan now up 7 catching up. EM's still down 10% this year. We think Japan is one of the strongest bull markets here, not getting enough attention. We like the internals. We like the fact that it's re-emerging as leadership.
1: Chris comes over. Come Got on to. All right. Chris, please. <laughs> Stephanie will bring the chair in. Oh, Green no. will bring the we chair do. in today. Wow. Green yes. wow. Kelly. Nice. All
4: right. Welcome.
1: Chris, would you rather? Saver oh, oh. game. The Nikkei <laughs> or the S&P 500?
9: Uh, right here, I think you have more upside of Nikkei. And really? I think looking out over the next couple of years, we're going to make a call here. I think uh, you're going to have Japan challenge the old highs from 89. I think that's the direction this is heading. It's all about TINA, right? TINA has moved. There is no alternative. It was a U.S. story the last seven or eight years. It's now moved to Japan. Earnings yield in Japan, 6%. Dividend yield, 2%. Where are JGBs? 13 basis points. Can China be falling apart and Japan rallying? You know, what's really curious here, think back to 2014, 2015, 2016, the last time China went through an episode. Nikkei went down 35%. That hasn't happened here. So either one of two things is happening. Japan is decoupling from the rest of the world. Or the slowdown in China is maybe not as bad uh, as we all think. I think that's a very important message, Tim. You talk about JGBs. JGBs are going up here. Oh,
3: yeah. So this is a
9: kind of great rotation-type trade as well Mm -hmm. playing out
3: in Japan. So, Chris, so if if China um, is falling apart but the Nikkei can still rally, could the opposite be true? At some point, could we see EEM, emerging markets, which are pretty heavily China, could we see that start to be pulled up by some of these emerging – well, actually, some some more – I think certainly tactically there's a trade here in EM. If you think about where
9: we are with the calendar, beta shorts don't work from October through January, and EM is a beta call, right? So you have the calendar becoming part of a tailwind story here. You only have 25% of emerging market stocks left above their 200-day moving average. That's an area or a condition from which we've seen these things bottom in the past. And then look at some bellwethers. Iron ore bottomed back in July. Caterpillar making six-month highs today. Copper's coming off its best week in two and a half years. I think there's some evidence here that EM might be a trade.
1: Um, are there sectors within Japanese stocks or specific stocks that you like?
9: Well, think about Japan's a very top heavy index. Two largest weights uh, in the Nikkei are fast retailing and soft bank. Both are breaking out from 10 year bases. Japanese pharma has reaccelerated, Japanese railroads have reaccelerated, and these Japanese banks are quietly acting yeah. a little bit better.
4: How, what are you seeing in terms of flow of funds, of capital being allocated away from the U.S. and towards uh, I think Japan it's, and other markets?
9: Sure. I, I think one of the calls here is the contrarian nature of the call. It is hard to get people very excited about Japanese stocks. It's certainly hard to get people excited about EM here. We have seen massive outflows. If you look over the last three months, you're in the third percentile of all observations. That is a contrarian data point where you tend to get some positive response uh, from the stocks.
1: Last quick question: As a catch-up trade in the fourth quarter? It's going to be a would you rather rather? Oh wow! Would you rather? Okay, so you sort that's of answer. It's like a derivative it. thing. Yeah. Okay, wow. Nikkei. <laughs> Nikkei S&P 500 or EEM emerging markets broadly? Oh.
9: Uh, uh, at the end of the day, we want to own leadership, and Nikkei S&P is still leadership relative EEM.
1: Okay, but then you said Nikkei over the U.S.
9: Yeah, I, I, I think that's so an emerging Nikkei, story. So Nikkei of
1: those three choices, is the best trade going into Nikkei's the end of of the year? Nikkei is our
5: favorite market over right here.
1: Yeah, Chris, thank you. Chris thank Marone you. of Strategus.
5: Would you rather, rather? That's a wow. Confusing game. Yeah, you got that. We've
1: played it a million times. Yeah, but Why you know, I get confused waking yeah. up <laughs> in the choose morning. Choose one of three. Yeah, is no, that it more clear?
2: fifty percent more to, to choose from. i see that math. I just. What did. would you choose? E- Interesting, you say that. Yes. I think. It, well, <laughs> can I play my own set of rules? EEM sure. e- started the year at fifty-two and a half or so. It's made a series of lower lows and lower highs. I think that will continue. If you want to buy that you buy it on a breakout you don't try to pick a bottom the breakout is above 45 so in the would you rather rather it's eem on a breakout above 45
1: all right still ahead more problems for mark zuckerberg and it has facebook investors on the brink and it could be about to get worse we will explain plus how far is car heaven maybe further than you think farther than you think actually despite the perfect environment the stocks are selling off we'll explain the car conundrum Welcome back to Fast Money. There's a changing of the guard brewing in the digital ad space that could signal trouble for some of the big tech giants, Amazon and AT&T, growing their footing in their ad space, gradually gaining in on the likes of Facebook and Google as they face scrutiny from D.C. lawmakers. Julia is at the annual New York Ad Week with more on the story. Hey, Julia.
10: Melissa, with Facebook here apologizing for the latest in its string of stumbles, agencies and brands here at Advertising Week are looking at other ways to reach consumers. AMAZON, PROJECTED BY EMARKETER TO BECOME THE THIRD-LARGEST DIGITAL AD PLATFORM THIS YEAR, BEHIND FACEBOOK AND GOOGLE, IT'S REPORTEDLY WORKING ON A FREE ad supported VIDEO SERVICE THAT IT COULD ANNOUNCE THIS WEEK. NOW, AMAZON IS ONE OF THE NEW OPTIONS IN FOCUS WITH THE CEO OF AD CONGLOMERATE IPG.
11: AMAZON OBVIOUSLY IS A CRITICAL NEW PLAYER IN THE BUSINESS, Uh, HULU, SPOTIFY, AMAZON PRIME, these are all ways to communicate with a consumer that's other than Facebook and Google. And frankly uh, we view that as a positive in that we have options to present uh, our clients
3: with in terms of how they reach the consumer.
10: Another alternative to Facebook and Google which dominate 58% of US digital ad dollars, Xander. That's 18T's newly launched ad tech company here boasting its premium brand safe content and it's reached 170 million direct-to-consumer relationships.
8: Xander is an important step for AT&T, bringing together exactly what Randall Stevenson said when they made the acquisition of Time Warner, now Warner Media. It was in part about uh, advanced advertising analytics and advanced advertising opportunities.
10: In response to digital options from content companies, Facebook and Google are offering more premium content options to reassure advertisers about their brand safety that they won't be placed next to fake news. Melissa back over to
1: you. All right, Julia, thanks. Julia Borson from Adweek Week here in New York City. And among the old guard names Julia had mentioned there, none is in hotter water than Facebook. In the past year, the social media giant has faced a seemingly never-ending road of controversy from fake ads linked to Russia to just this week when the company announced that about 50 million ad ac- uh, accounts, excuse me, have been affected by a security breach. The stock itself down about 6% from a year ago. So what's wrong with Facebook? Can they fix their problems at this point. Karen, you've been a shareholder, you've been holding on, you see value in the stock. At what point do you say, you know what,
4: the shoes keep dropping? Yeah, probably around the low, right before he went to uh, the Hill uh, to testify. I mean, for me, that at some point you just say, all right, I'm willing to, you know, have it down X percent and that's all I'm gonna lose in it. Or maybe I'll end up buying puts. It's clearly been disappointing. Tim's been all over, to, right correctly, to the downside. Um, I mean, we'll see. Also, we have earnings the twenty—I don't know, fifth or thirty-first. 30th, sure. I think. But okay, yeah. um, that will be really important. I'm going to be a little nervous going into that, though. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, to Julia's point, I mean, the,
1: the notion that there is no alternative when it comes to digital advertising—that had been the premise right behind a lot of the bull thesis yeah. for, for Facebook. That, that if you want to reach an audience, you go to Facebook. But Xander, you know, we talked to the CEO of Xander on Squawk Box the other day. He was saying that. You can we could be neighbors, we could be watching the same channel and the way they have the ads program it 's so specific according to our interests and our needs that we could be seeing different ads during the same program that 's how tailored their their offering is, but that gets to the point. Maybe there are alternatives
3: well, a huge alternative has been Amazon, so I think about five years ago, I think like i don't know a disproportionate amount of amazon. Purchases came through Google searches, that sort of thing. Now, 50% of items bought on Amazon are coming through their own searches. That gives them the opportunity to place ads, right, from all these merchants um, and sellers on there. So, when you think about it, you know, Amazon's really in the cap seed. They've just xed out Twitter. And Snapchat were supposed to be these emerging platforms, right, for digital ads in a growing bucket. I think you probably see Amazon make an acquisition there. And this could be Snap trading at all-time lows. You know, they're going to have $1.1 billion in sales this year. and They'll lose $700 million to achieve that. I'll bet you Amazon could figure well, out some other ways to monetize Snap. So, it now.
5: I, as you all know, I think about this stuff a little bit differently. Amazon is a company that uses technology and data to actually sell us stuff and, and improve our experience. I think that's okay. Facebook, we know, is a data broker. And so my point simply is good governance of folks that handle your data and, and and IT effectively will produce good shareholder returns. So I'm thinking about this as an investor only. I'm thinking about this as what kind of multiple do I put on a company that, you know, in addition to the fact that margins are going to shrink for the guys that are selling your data. It's just that's just, be, because of that. Is this to back to the
3: Facebook? T- you're saying that you're worried about their margins? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so I think I, that at this point, I know you've been writing a lot about this online. And, I, I've uh, been, doing, so I've so been writing constantly. <laughs> but at this and point I, 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 you know, they're, they're it's, it's kind of interesting. I think your point about the lows from March when Zuckerberg was on the Hill, they haven't been breached yet, and yet estimates have come down fairly dramatically. The company is guided down. I'm not making a, like a pound-the-table situation here, but if they get through this next earnings report, and the guidance is what it is, and the stock really doesn't break 150, I think it's okay at 20 20 times forward. They're expected still to grow sales 30% a year. Even if margins come in a bit, I think investors are fully expecting that right Uh, now.
1: Just to push back, though, when you say Facebook is a data broker and that separates them, they don't actually sell data. They sell advertising. But you're saying they're a data broker (laughs) in that they're selling the advertising, which is based on data. So inadvertently, they're they're making money off of data. But how is that different from any other company that's selling ads? Well, based on the data that they collect, and that could be an Amazon, that could be an at and Digital, well, that could be any of these companies that sell ad based on data.
5: Well, when I think of at and I think of them as a media company that's, you know, that's attracting advertisers in the same way anyone that's got content, and, and content, obviously, you then strap ads to it and you sell <coughs> data. I mean, Amazon, to me, ultimately is, is, in a, is in a case where they're using, I think the, the Amazon technology is allowing us to more easily find the stuff that we want. Um, I think ultimately advertisers are attached to that, but that's a derivative away. way. Whereas, you know, Apple has this great technology and this cool stuff that just makes us feel better about the products we use. I don't think they're under the same pressure. But again, I think this is about how shareholders need to understand how management is acting in their behalf or not. To Dan's point, at some point
2: valuation will matter. But we had Carter Braxtonworth on this show, Fast Money, on Friday, if you recall, good-looking guy in the corner wearing a jacket, and we asked him if he thought it would breach the levels we saw in March, and he said, yes, I agree. I think there's a real good chance it prints 150, and that's been my premise all along. I never thought it should have gone from 155 to 207 in the first place, but here we are. so Price action suggests it continues to move lower, but I think into earnings on the 30th, you got to take a shot on the long side.
1: All right, So ahead, Stitch Fix is unraveling. The stock getting slammed today, and it could be bad news for another group of stocks, we will explain. Plus, auto stocks are taking a hit despite these names riding in the perfect environment. So what's gone wrong, and are these stocks the ultimate value trade or value trap? We'll break it all down right after this break. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The auto stock's under pressure after what was overall a strong September for sales. Phil LeBeau's got the details from Chicago. Hey, Phil.
11: Melissa, it was a strong September in terms of the overall sales rate, which is going to be above 17 million. But compared to September of last year, where there was that post-Hurricane Harvey rebound in sales, everything looks down, relatively speaking, year over year. Take a look at the major automakers for September. Only Fiat Chrysler posting positive sales. Again, Toyota, Ford, and Honda. Remember, they're in comparison with just a a monster bubble September from last year. As for General Motors, it reported third-quarter sales. Remember, it no longer does monthly sales, and for the third quarter, sales were down 11.1%. The other piece of news in the auto industry getting a lot of attention today Tesla and its quarterly sales as well as production numbers. And on the production side, that's probably getting a little more attention because it's not necessarily deliveries that everyone's focused on, but the production specifically of the Model 3. It came in with production of more than 53,000. That was a little better than expected. In terms of deliveries, look at how they've ramped up deliveries over the last year. So when you take a look at shares of Tesla and the Model 3, and it continues to get a lot of attention, also keep in mind that the company said today, Melissa, They are getting hurt by the tariffs in China being put on American-built vehicles that are exported to China. That tariff is 40 percent. It used to be 25. Now it's 40 percent. And as a result, they're hoping to expedite funding and construction of a plant. But, Melissa, that, that takes minimum, minimum 24 months if you're going to build one of those out there.
1: So in terms of the delivery numbers, Phil, would those reflect at all the impact of that tariff in terms of cars manufactured here that are shipped to China, or is that the next quarter?
11: I think we'd likely see more of an impact next quarter, though I'm trying to remember exactly when in the third quarter that went through. Remember, there were quite a few that were in transit over to China, and so I think we'd see a bigger impact in the next quarter.
1: All right. Phil, thanks phillibo in chicago for us um you know it really should be car heaven out there you would think the perfect backdrop for the autos consumer confidence is raging there's high employment and of course a flourishing economy so why are auto stocks stalled out just how far away is car heaven tim
5: well i tell you what I, I don't know um i have been long gm for on and off but i've traded around a bit but i've had a core position for a couple of years i got rid of ford GM right now trades at 5 times 2019 if they make 675 a share they've already reaffirmed 2018 I think they have exposure to EV I think they have exposure to robo taxis I like the management I stay long
4: I mean, I agree, but in you the same position, what? I've been, I stay long. I've been okay. in it a long time. It hasn't worked. I've lost money. It trades cheaply. What else did you say? Do you guys All ever sell, sell when taxi? you're wrong? I mean,
3: or uh, just yes, ride I them I the do. whole way down to zero? Well, uh, this Cause, one cause, I. If <laughs> you wait long enough at Ford, you may be at zero soon.
4: I, I, I don't, don't say, have Ford. <laughs> I like GM. You know, talking i about GM but, now, you, you know, at the rate that it's going. Come on. Look, Ooh. I think the stocks—it's—it's it's fascinating to me because clearly it's a cyclical business. We passed peak auto; we passed it for some time. That's been built into these stocks for a while. Yeah. This level of actually, this SAR is pretty good—better than I thought it, it, that it would be—and so. yet. This multiple, it's not like, I mean. This, is,
3: this is about the consumer. And you know, when you think about it, a guy said no, 73% think, me, of our GDP is consumer. When you look at what happened in the retail XRT, I, I thought you were done. You, uh, you, uh, you, let you me put finish. a little button on it.
4: I think what happened oh. was that with that earlier, SAR, that was sort of, you know how it, we talked about the average age of cars getting longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And so there was that quick demand to, and that lowered that average age. And I think maybe there's just going to be a little longer. So we're they're still gonna in be a little. cycle
1: where the replacement cycle has not hit.
4: No, no, no. I think that that was pushed forward. Oh, okay.
1: It doesn't matter. It's
3: a waste of time. I mean, these, the U.S. auto, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, like, we've hit peak autos. They're cyclical, like you said. Now start focusing on the other things that are cyclical. We know that housing is. We know that lending is, right? So we have those three groups, and then we know that retail can be. So the fact that everybody and the president... But hold, is hold really on, you, you make it sound sentiment. like the
5: autos are the first domino to fall for something in you know, an economy that's about to fall
3: out of saying. It could feel like that. It really could.
1: That's do you remember yesterday? Just yesterday. I, yes, yesterday. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I hope I'm, you remember. Old, this particular moment in yesterday's show, when Karen went to the plasma and did a Venn diagram, value nice. to trade or value very trap. Nice. Uh-huh. Let's uh-huh. apply this. John, General Motors. That? No,
2: I don't. I can't spell Venn, but I can probably play this game
1: to General Motors. Is it a value trade or value? It's a trap.
2: Well, so, uh, yeah, I think it is a trap. We said it for a while, though. You know, GM and Ford can't rally in the last seven years when the stock market only goes higher and closes effectively at an all-time high today in an environment where Auto sales have probably been, never been better in the history of auto sales going back to Mr. Ford. When are these stocks going to rally? So I don't know when GM is going to get off the turf or when Ford is. But the Dan's point, I think the trajectory continues to be to the downside.
1: Why is it, in your view, why is GM a trade and not a trap, using your own... Criteria well, in hindsight, whatever
4: the criteria is, is wrong because it has been a trap. However, some of the things that I talked about in, um, in GE, decline, worsening mm-hmm. balance sheet, that's not the case right. in GM. So uh, the metrics on GM and similar to GE, but the metrics on GM are far, far more in the trade value tra- own it than the value trap side. Um, and I think this is the kind of, I like the management. They have good management in place. They've been doing the right things. Uh, so, and GE, you can't say that at all stock so, at
5: five-year support, yeah. by the way. Really key level. I think it's an interesting level. All
4: right. And coming up,
1: we let's uh, check out the Kramer cam. That's Jim. Take a look at him gearing up for mad money tonight. He's laying out exactly what GE's new CEO needs to do to get the company back on track. That is tonight at 6 p.m. In the meantime, Stitch Fix having its worst day ever following an earnings report. And uh, traders are betting on even more pain ahead for the stock. We will explain. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. More fast money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money Time for a little buzzkill, actually a big buzzkill. Shares of Stitch Fix sinking more than 35%, posting its worst day ever on the back of its earnings report today. The move taking down a number of high-flying Web 2.0 stocks like Overstock, Twilio, Etsy, as well as names like Snap. And on a day when the Dow touched fresh highs, is the sell-off signaling bigger problems for this tech-based group, or should investors be buying the dip?
4: Well, I mean, it's coming a lot, right? When you're a super, super high flyer and you miss, obviously it gets crushed. I mean, you could still say it's a super high flyer. It's really expensive. The The whole lot of them, I think, are so overvalued. The one that's so interesting to me is Eventbrite, which we didn't have on there. That's ridiculously priced. If you look at Live Nation and Ticketmaster, that should be way, way higher, where Eventbrite should be way, way lower. This is an insane multiple. I think this froth needs to come to an end.
5: The divergence between value and momentum has not been as wide as it is right now. These moves should make sense based upon where we've been on both sides of this trade.
3: Well, it was also, I was going to say, it's a beta trade, right? And these, we know these are really small floats, so that you get these things going, especially when people aren't particularly focused on valuation in names like these. They really are focused on growth,
2: and that's why you had some of these explosive moves, though. yeah, Even with the move to the downside, Stitch Fix is still probably up 30% over the last year or so, so there probably is still further. The only thing, in my opinion, that stock has going forward is the fact that short interest is probably north of 50%, so maybe you'll get some shorts to cover and you get a bounce. Do you use it? The service? Can't you tell? They're Weisenheimer? I mean, I look
5: good. (laughs) They sent boxes
1: of clothes from the 80s to you?
5: Yeah. (laughs) 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 That's some of the hell. best work right you there. Know, uh, fantastic. Fantastic.
1: One trader is betting on even more paid ahead for shares of Stitch Fix. So, Dan, why don't you head over it, Yeah, to so, the so the let's plasma. talk about
3: Stitch Fix and all these, mis- uh, this is, I don't even know what you were just talking about. <laughs> Short interest is not 50%. It's, it's 22%. Big, Dan. The stock is up 100% from its November 2017 IPO. Not what, what Guy just said, okay? But here's the deal. The stock obviously got pummeled today. closed at the lows of the session, down about 35%. and It's still up 12% in the year, and I think that's something that's really interesting. Options uh, volume exploded today with six times average daily volume. It nearly matched the open interest coming into the day um, in the name. And there was one trade shortly after the open. I suspect it was somebody looking to play for lower lows or protect a long position when the stock was trading at 32.77. They were buying the March 30 puts, paying $4.60 for those. If it is protection, that breaks in well lower than the current levels. Obviously, the stock continue to go down um, throughout the day. This is a really tough name to trade options directionally. Um, there's... Basically, you know, we have 22% short interest. We have an expensive borrow. We have a volatile stock. We have wide bid-ask. But we do have a chart right here, and I think it's kind of interesting when we're talking about some of these levels. This $30 level is obviously very important. $15 was last year's IPO price. This company is marginally po- uh, profitable, and they're starting to use users, lose users, and revenues aren't growing at the rate to kind of uh, justify this valuation. So I think, you know, option traders looking for protection for that gap below 30 bucks, maybe all the way down to
1: $20. All right. Thanks for that, Dan. For more Options Action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Welcome back to Fast. And Guy has got a special guest.
2: I do have a special guest. I've been chosen to be on the national board of Big Brothers Big Sisters. It's a huge honor. I'm here with the CEO, Pam Iorio. Here's a question, Pam. Yes. We've all had mentors. Speak to the people. Why is mentoring young people so important in the United States?
10: Well, everyone needs a, a person in their court. And for over 100 years, Big Brothers Big Sisters has been providing a one-to-one mentor for young people. And this week, we have rebranded Big Brothers Big Sisters all across the country. We're in all 50 states, 270 agency uh, doing incredible work with young people. And our new more urgent message about the need for us to defend the potential of young people all across the United States through one-to-one mentoring. Big Brothers Big Sisters is really prepared now to make more of an impact than ever before.
2: It's amazing. You know, I'm honored to be in, and just real quick, I'll say this. doesn't cost you anything to be a mentor. It's time well spent. You'll get more out of it than your little will. I encourage everybody to go to the website. Pam's doing an amazing
5: job, and thanks for having her on. Thank
1: Thank you you for having me. Thank you both for your work. Thank you. Uh, final Trades time. Tim?
5: Uh, forget GM. I'm a buyer of Pam and Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Oh, and
1: <laughs> Karen? I still like Alphabet. Dan?
5: Uh, XRT,
2: I think we're just getting started to the downside on retail.
1: Guy Adami. You
2: know, Dan was a big brother back in the day. So for really? all you naysayers of Dan Nathan out there, he's <laughs> a guy. good person. Oh, he's the yet. best. And you should check out the website. Pam's doing an amazing job. Xilinx, Melms.
1: All right, that's us for us here on Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At p it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration,